Good afternoon and welcome into the first episode of the weekend recap presented by True Sun Exteriors and Interiors, where we actually have something to recap from the weekend. It is football season. Missouri, a 34-24 winner over Central Michigan on Saturday. Mitchell Forty is going to join me, Gabe DeArmond, in just a minute to talk about that, some other things that have happened in college football, and we'll kick it around for about half an hour here with you guys on Monday afternoon. Before we get to that, True Sun Exteriors and Interiors are presenting sponsor for this show all season long. There you see the logo right next to me on the screen. They were voted the best of Columbia in home remodeling by Inside Columbia Magazine last year. A full-service construction company that will do roof, siding, decks, four-season rooms, additioned, screen porches, doors, windows, do the interior work. They remodeled my kitchen. They remodeled both my bathrooms. They'll do a whole home remodel. Uh, we'll work with you guys on absolutely anything you want. They can do smaller jobs as well. They've done some some things around my house like a fence, a, a ladder up to the attic. They'll do uh, pretty much anything you need. They have a design team that can help you pick out all the finishes for your remodel. Unlike the Chuck and a Truck companies, they've been a mainstay in Columbia for more than a decade. They'll stand by their work with a five-year warranty on all labor. And a bonus for you guys, they are big supporters of the University of Missouri and huge Mizzou fans. And um, Mizzou fans, I think, overall relatively happy on this Monday, Mitch. I mean, it was... Not perfection. It's not a video game world we live in, but Missouri, a 34-24 win over Central Michigan in a game that I'm going to keep saying this because it's probably the only time we'll get to say this all year went exactly the way you and I predicted it would go. Yeah, yeah, that is true. We both said that it would probably be uncomfortably close at halftime, and I definitely did see, you know, online some people uh, expressing some nerves, some panic during the game, but I think the further we've gotten away from it, the more people have realized, you know what, week one, I mean, there was a lot of teams that struggled with lesser opponents in week one. Some even lost to those teams. At least Missouri didn't do that. There were certainly, you know, some things that went better as the game went on, some adjustments made. So I think you come out of it saying, you know, that's uh, that's you know, about as good as could be expected. And uh, we'll see what happens when we get a, a more true measuring stick this week against Kentucky. Yeah. And I think the trap that I definitely fell into during the game on Saturday, and I think all of us who kind of do what we do fall into this trap, we take Twitter and message boards to be representative of a larger group of feelings and Twitter and message boards are um, places for outrage and um, unhappiness and disagreement. And then I was kind of interested on in our call-in show, like the first six calls I got were basically, hey, here's kind of a minor thing. Here's a problem. But overall, I mean... They were favored by 14, and they won by 10, and, and I think overall week one, that's pretty good. You got some things to work on. You got some room for improvement, definitely, but I, I noticed you said at, at one point that, that the players and coaches seemed about as pleased with that game as they have almost any game in the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I should point out that, you know, last year we didn't actually get to interact with any of the players after games. It was all on Zoom. So maybe that part of that was just me being like, oh, man, it's nice to be around people again and then probably kind of feel on the same way. They weren't talking to a computer. Um, but, yeah, no, they were really chipper. I mean, Eli Drinkwitz was cracking jokes as usual. Um, you know, the players were all smiles. I, I do think it's worth keeping in mind that, you know, style points don't matter to those guys at all. They're there to win. They did that. 
And Drake was even said after the game, look, I thought this would be a four-quarter game. I mean, I've been on the other side of some group of five power five upsets. That's a game they're going to get up for first week of the season. Anything can happen. You know, we just wanted to win. We got that done. So absolutely, I think, uh, you know, most of all, or, you know, more than anything else, I would say mission accomplished. Yeah, and, and want to invite you guys, if you're watching along and you have something specific you want to talk about, shoot it in the comments section. We, we definitely will address your questions and comments. Um, uh, just kind of, it, look, we have covered this game six ways from Sunday, actually about ten ways on Sunday, I think. So I don't know how much more there is to be said that we haven't said, but kind of your overriding positive and your overriding, hey, this is, is probably something they need to work on or, or improve on. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you you know a positive on each side of the ball, and, and like you said, we've we've already written about all of this stuff. But for those of you who haven't read it, you know you can hear it now, and then go back and read to get even more of our brilliant insight. Um, offense, obviously, Tyler Beatty was a huge positive. There were a lot of questions about you know Larry Roundtree leaving. That's twenty two touches a game. Who's going to take a, take that over? Um, you know, people thought Tyler Beatty probably couldn't do that because, you know, he's not done that in the past, and he did. He did really well. He ran for over 200 yards. He caught a pass for a long touchdown. Obviously, that's not something you're going to see out of him every single game, but very encouraging to see that he can be that guy. On defense, I was really encouraged by the secondary. You know, I thought that was going to be a unit that was probably going to take some time to gel. They lost a lot. You know, two starters at safety, lost Jarvis Ware at corner. Um, but, you know, they were pretty solid. I thought Chris Abrams Train played a really nice game in his first, uh, well, I guess, second game since switching over from offense. Um, Jalen Carlisle was a difference maker in the second half. Caleb Evans played really well, and I think will probably end up being a starter. Um, Sean Robinson showed some things in his act, limited actions. So, you know, there's still a few things to clean up, and, and you know, there are probably some, some you know, quarterbacks or receiving cores that will test them a little more than Central Michigan's. But Jacob Sermon was a solid player, and I thought uh, did pretty well. On the negative side, it's the two lines of scrimmage for me. And, and I don't want to overreact to one game just because, but, you know, we always want to do that. But also it's all that we have to really work with so far. So I'm going to anyway. Um, I, I did not, I, I watched that game and I did not ever think like Missouri's offensive line is more talented than the Central Michigan defensive line or vice versa. I thought the defensive line, which was, you know, billed by some of these coaches to be the strength of the team, frankly got pushed around a lot of the game. Um, and most of the pressure came on blitzes. Offensive line definitely got better as the game went on. I thought Connor Wood made a difference when he came at left guard, but uh, I think Central Michigan had like 13 uh, tackles for loss. That's, that's too many, and they're going to play some better defensive lines moving forward. Yeah, um, hey, Mitch, I don't know. You might check and make sure that your uh, computer microphone is turned off. A couple of people are saying there's an echo. Everything seems to be uh, set right on my end. I don't know. Um, but uh, hopefully it's not not too distracting for you guys if we can't figure it out on the fly. I agree with the lines of scrimmage. Now, also, I just kind of like neither of those things surprised me because the offensive line, I thought, it, really, I thought the same thing on both sides. Yeah, they got some guys coming back. They've got more bodies than they had last year, but these are largely the same players as last year when the offensive and defensive line struggled a little bit. I just didn't see this huge leap um, that was going to happen um, because they were older players. They were players last year that had been around for quite a while. So I I think the lines are going to be inconsistent this year. Um, the one thing that I think maybe is a little disappointing on the defensive side and we both found it kind of interesting that throughout fall camp, Kobe Whiteside had been not necessarily listed as a clear starter. And I just didn't notice him on Saturday. Now, that's not saying he played good, bad, or indifferent. A lot of times the defensive tackle you don't notice. But 
that one, Missouri needs him to be more of the difference maker he was two years ago if the defensive line is is going to improve. Um, I think the the positive for me, after some bumps in the road, certainly in the first half, a, a lot, I thought, by Ennis Rakestraw, I thought in the second half the secondary looked pretty good. Um, Caleb Evans got the most snaps of any defensive back. Chris Abrams' drain, I thought, was like the revelation from that game. I thought he was maybe Missouri's best defensive player. And Jalen Carlis, I thought, pretty clearly made a difference at safety when he came in. So I, I'm not telling you yet that they are going to hold up against some of the, the passing games in the SEC because I think even though Sermon was pretty good and, and Western or sorry Central Michigan's running game was pretty good, I don't think they have a lot of guys at receiver that necessarily scare you. So Missouri will see better passing games as they go on, maybe even as soon as this weekend. Um, but but I thought that was something to take out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and to your point about the defensive line, you know, it, uh, I, I agree on the offensive line. I, I had questions coming in, and I do think it's you know reasonable to think they'll get better as you go on and get more experience for those two tackles and maybe Connor was well. The defensive line, though, I mean, like you've got guys that have been there five years, you don't expect them to be a group that has week one growing pains. And yeah, I agree. Kobe Whiteside, I mean, he frankly, he's just not shown me anything since Jordan Elliott left. And and granted, he was hurt for a lot of last year as his first game in a while. You know, I wouldn't be stunned if he comes out and plays well the rest of the season. But yeah, I, I don't remember him really making an impact play. You know, I've been buying into the Darius Robinson hype for a couple off seasons yeah. now. That hasn't really materialized. I mean, it was pretty clear that Makai Wingo, as a true freshman, was was probably the most impactful player. At defensive tackle, I thought Akil Byers was fine as well, but uh, yeah, that's that's definitely something to watch moving forward, especially against a, a Kentucky team that always has a strong offensive line. Yeah, Wingo actually led the defensive tackles in snaps, which uh, which surprised me. Um, staying kind of a, there is recruiting news, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But staying on the subject of the actual football team, Ed says the line for Kentucky looks like Mizzou plus five. Uh, do you think that's a little low? I said on Saturday night I thought it would open around six or seven. I think it opened around three and a half and actually has gone up to five. So it's a little bit lower because to me, you get three points for the home field. And I think Kentucky right now looks like I'd give them about a field goal just as a better team than Missouri on a neutral field. So I thought it would be closer to six or seven, but A, five is not very far from six or seven, and B, they build those big shiny buildings in Vegas by being right a whole hell of a lot more than I am, even though I am six and two so far this weekend. I was going to say, don't sell yourself yeah. short. You were good on the picks last week. I need um, Ole Miss tonight. Yeah. I'd be seven and two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's uh, – I'd say five is about right. You know, yeah, I agree. I thought my, my pick was going to be if I if I had been consulted about the line, I would have said something like Kentucky minus five and a half, something like mm -hmm. that. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a super high-scoring game, so that, you know, usually makes the line a tad lower. But, yeah, I mean, I, I will say, like – Again, I don't want to overreact to week one. Kentucky played a bad team. I don't really right. know what to take away from that. But one of what the one thing for Missouri um, that and and we were texting a little bit about this during the game is like they played it. They played a decently clean game for week one. You know, they were plus two in turnovers. Uh, they they were, had I think only four penalties, and a bunch of those came at the end. If those things get switched, like I, I thought the talent level was fairly similar. It looked yeah. a lot of times between Missouri and Central Michigan. Like Missouri had Tyler Beatty. He stood out. Um, you know, there were a couple guys maybe in the secondary that, that, you know, that stood out. But for the most part, like 
I think if you make the turnover margin and the penalty margin even, I'm, I'm not sure who wins that game. Yeah. I mean, the total yardage uh, Central Michigan outgained them. That That is a little bit of cause of concern for cause for concern for me. And it's something we've talked about that, you know, this roster still needs some time to get more talent in there. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I don't I don't know that I'm going to take anything away from Kentucky dismantling Louisiana Monroe in a game I didn't watch. But based off what I saw from Missouri's talent level, I think they're I just think they're going to have to play better, certainly next week than they did this week. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be at a talent deficit in six or seven of their games this year. And this is one of them. I mean, Kentucky's roster is more talented. I don't think there's a whole lot of doubt about that. Now, you know, I said on somebody said something about Georgia. And I said, I think Missouri's roster talent-wise is closer to Central Michigan right now than it is to Georgia. Now, I think that says more about Georgia than anything else. So what if I say, is Missouri's roster closer in talent to Central Michigan or Florida right now? Um, well, like, I, mean, I think I'm that's close. Like I'm an expert on Florida's roster because I have not watched them play this year. And honestly, right. you know, didn't keep track with every, how they've replaced a lot but, of the departures. Yeah, it does not have Kyle Trask or Kyle Pitts. I can tell you that. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. So not knowing that at all, I would, I would, I guess I would say Florida, but I mean, I could be wrong. I don't really know. I mean, Florida, I feel it's like hasn't question. been tearing it up in the recruiting the last few years. They've been solid under Mullen, right. like top 15 solid, but not like Georgia that's been, you know, top right. two every year. So yeah, they're probably closer to Florida, but it, it's yeah. debatable. And that's, that goes right. back to the point that I think some Missouri fans fell in love a little bit with things in the offseason that were never really going to help this year's team. And I think we saw, I mean, there were people predicting Mookie Cooper to be a thousand yard receiver this year. And don't get me wrong, it's not impossible. But like, this is the first time the kids played in three years and he is effectively a true freshman and he had seven touches for 12 yards. And oh, by the way, hasn't really practiced for about three weeks. So you can't just fall in love with, hey, we got this four-star who who transferred back from Ohio State without taking some of those other type of things into consideration. Right, and yeah, a lot of the, the hype that's been generated around this coaching staff and this team is recruits that either just arrived or haven't arrived yet. I mean, right. like, you know, people get excited about Sam Horn. He's a year away from hitting yeah. campus and realistically at least two from contributing. Same with right. a lot of the guys in that 2022 class. So, yeah, it's going to take some time. And even like Dominic Lovett and Mookie Cooper and these guys who, like, I think they've got a chance to be really good players and maybe pretty good players this year. But what separates the Georges and the Alabamas and the Ohio States from everybody else, and I include Missouri and everybody else, is the kids who are ready to step on campus day one and be like, you know, Jalen Waddell or whatever, they're, they're largely going to about five schools. And everybody else, yes, you get a four-star that's a top 75 kid, and he's a heck of a player. But he's probably not a finished product and a superstar year one. So that recruiting, again, is large. I mean, most of those kids didn't play on Saturday, and a lot of them are going to redshirt. Um, Todd had a, a question, and I thought it was interesting, too. We noticed this kind of late in fall camp. And then he flashed a little bit on on Saturday. Johnny Walker at defensive end. This is a kid that, honestly, we just hadn't really heard anything about until about the last week and a half of camp. You started looking up and going, hang on, man, this kid's playing with the twos. Maybe they've got something there. Yeah, yeah, interesting case. He was a late addition to, gosh, which recruiting? I think it would have been 2020. Yeah, 2020. I don't know. I think he was a guy, maybe Odom signed. I don't really remember. He was, I think he was that I class think he had a commitment from Odom and Drinkwitz kept him. Yeah. 
Yeah, right, right. That class, yeah. Um, but he did. He is on scholarship, but he didn't play at all last year. Like even in mop up duty, as far as I know, maybe you know, like against you know one of the like one of I, I forget who all they the, the extent of my knowledge out, about him before this year was that somebody had started a thread on our board that they saw him moving out of his dorm and assumed he was transferring. That was what right. I knew and, about him. And also, his name is Johnny Walker. Yes. So, yes. and he needs <laughs> an nil unique. deal. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, he played, uh, I don't have the snap counts in front of me, but what, something like 20 something? 20 snaps? something. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he's definitely a guy that I think, and he, he, he made it an impact a couple times. So, he's definitely a guy you'll see more of. My other takeaway now on Johnny Walker, who, by the way, I've never spoken to once. I'll right. request him at some point here soon for interviews, maybe SEMO week here coming up because, you know, there's, there's, that's a time to maybe catch up with some of the guys we haven't. Uh, he is looks a ton like Trajan Jeffcoat and wears Trajan Jeffcoat's old number. Okay. So when I see him out there, I just also assume it's Trajan Jeffcoat. And sometimes go. it looks like there's two Trajan Jeffcoats out there. It's very confusing. I, I was also uh, caught uh, Arden Walker played a little bit, played five or six snaps on, on Saturday, which is yeah, something yeah. maybe everybody expected. Um, all right, so going to move on to recruiting news and other college football stuff here in just a minute, but do want to remind you, the most comments we've had on the show, honestly, have been uh, about the talents of Jeff Bloomer, and you're saying, well, I don't know who the hell Jeff Bloomer is. Well, he's the guy that, that wrote the True Sun uh, exterior and interior marketing points for us. So, for example, I'm just going to pick one out here, true to their names, True Sun exteriors and interiors are rooting for the Tigers on game day on the construction site. Their integrity, ingenuity, and attention to detail is what sets us apart from our competition. We believe in delivering a high-class experience to our customers, unlike the football coach from Florida. By the way, nice dance moves. Uh, True Sun exteriors and interiors, not just a name, it's a passion. Call them today, 573-442-7292. Again, I need to be clear, that's Jeff Bloomer writing these. I just read them. They pay me, and I read them. I don't write them. I'm making no disparaging comments about Dan Mullen or any other coach who might get insulted on this show at some point during the season. Um, I guess we'll hit the uh, hit the recruiting stuff before we get on to the rest of college football. So, uh, Valen Erickson, Valen Erickson, not sure which one it is, honestly, um, but three-star offensive lineman from Illinois had been com committed to Nebraska for, I don't know, a month and a half, two months, something like that, and uh, flipped his commitment to Missouri about 30 minutes before we started this show. The feeling I got with that one all along was Missouri and Nebraska were his top two, and I'm not sure that Missouri was quite ready to take him when he was ready to make a decision, and so... They, I, I think he maybe kind of jumped on a Nebraska offer, and then when Missouri kept talking to him, and it became clear, hey, this is this this could happen. I think he might have gone ahead and made that switch. We haven't talked to him yet, but that's just kind of my read of the situation from the outside. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Like you said, we could absolutely be wrong and change our minds once we get a chance to talk to him. Hopefully, we'll catch up to him soon. I've been saying his name is Valen Erickson. I, I don't know where I'm getting that, though. I don't think I, I don't I, know that I've, I've been saying Valen, but for some reason, I think it's Valen. Yeah, well, that that definitely is priority number one, figuring yeah. that out. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it seems like a solid get. You know, the, I think this is probably the last offensive lineman they'll take in this class. Um, you gotta you know like that group. Uh, Deshaun Woods uh, is another guy from actually, I guess Valen Erickson's not from Nebraska, but Nebraska Tyler. Deshaun Woods is from Nebraska, um, and then you've got uh, Tristan Wilson and Armin Membo from in-state. So uh, I think that'll likely be your four, unless anyone flips out or whatever, uh, switches their commitment. 
improvement uh, in the offensive line class in the 2022. Yeah, so you've got those four in 2023. Everybody knows Logan Reichert and Caden Green who were at the game. Um, you've got uh, Miles McVeigh over at East St. Louis. So there, you pair those guys with Connor Tolleson from the last class, and you're looking at over a three-year period kind of completely revamping the offensive line. And I, I think that is uh, something that uh, – probably was needed as as again we saw a little bit on Saturday yeah definitely um yeah I think that the coaches have really likes Tolleson now yeah. he obviously you know we've heard this before about players who ended up you know getting into game and maybe not showing as much as they were hyped up to but uh, I mean he's a guy who people keep mentioning you know mm -hmm. as if to say like yeah he's probably not going to play this year as a true freshman but keep an eye on him and yeah I mean there's definitely you know, I, I don't think the line is a disaster right now, but, you know, your two best players are both almost certainly gone after this season and Mike Maddy and Case Cook. I mean, you know, you bring in a, a transfer from Montana State who looks like he's going to end up, you know, playing right away, even though he didn't start this game. The, the tackles were better, I thought, as the game went on. Um, I, I think the jury's still out on them. I'm curious to see more, but um, did not overwhelm me by any means. Yeah, and and I tweeted this out, but Missouri now is the number one player in the state of Nebraska, have flipped a kid from Nebraska and beat Nebraska head-to-head -head for Jalen Marshall. I mean, look, the, it, this is not breaking news to anyone except, you know, the 80,000 people that are in Memorial Stadium in Lincoln every weekend. Like, Things have changed. Um, you know, Nebraska is no longer Nebraska on the recruiting trail or, or frankly, on the football field. Yeah, definitely has not been what they were for a while. But uh, for, you know, and, Missouri fans to be able to say that, I'm sure, is, uh, is a nice little bonus. Yeah, especially, it, like, I'm trying to think. the la How old would you say you were the last time Nebraska was, like, nationally relevant? Um, I mean, whenever, when was Indomitian Sioux Indomitian Sioux was like 2010. Like? I was going to say they were yeah. relevant. They weren't winning a title, but they were right, relevant. Right. They were pretty relevant. I, was, I would have been 15 then. Okay. Yeah. And so for people my age, who obviously when I was 15 to your age, that was one of the three or four most preeminent programs in the country. Um, right. And it's just, it's never getting back there. Um, and, and I know never is extreme, but it's never getting back to that point because the the geographic recruiting base isn't there, and we are now too far away from people who know who Tom Osborne is and who know Tommy Frazier and, you know, even going further back, Mike Rogier and all these guys who made Nebraska what it was. Um, it, it's never going to get back there, and Missouri is one of the programs that should benefit the most from it because Nebraska used to go into St. Louis and Kansas City to get kids, and they just aren't really now, and, and that's certainly a benefit uh, for Mizzou and kind of a, a, a decent way to transition into just kind of impressions from things that happened across college football. And we were talking uh, before the show. I think what, the thing that people least understand about what we do for a living is how little football we actually see. Because I turned on um, – I got home from the gym at like, I don't know, 1130. So I turned on an early game. I can't even remember what it was. It was some trash Big Ten game, I think, that, that I didn't really care about. But I turned it on, and I watched about an hour and 15 minutes of football. And then I sat down to do our pregame show. I watched the Missouri game. I did the postgame show. And while I was writing my postgame column, I saw like the last three minutes of Georgia and Clemson, um, which I think is about – probably an hour and 33 more minutes of football than you saw on Saturday. Yeah, I watched the first half of uh, Nebraska, uh, Wisconsin on Saturday, then went to the stadium. 
and watched the Mizzou game and wrote about the Mizzou game, and that was it. Uh, by the time I was done, the the uh, Georgia Clemson game was already Which, over. Um, so yeah, I, I I saw nothing. So yeah, uh, yeah I'm, when I when I talk about these other games, you have to understand that I watched none of them and really only know the score about most yeah. of them, except for the Kentucky game, which I at least did manage to look at the box score and some other things. And but also, I I can't believe it has taken me nearly two full days to complain about this because I honestly meant to lead off our post-game show with it and I forgot, but you would have seen more football if Missouri and Central Michigan somehow did not play the longest five minutes of football I've ever seen. Like, I literally told my wife, I'm going to set up the pregame show. There's five minutes left. You know, it's pretty much over. And I walked back downstairs 12 minutes later and there somehow were still five minutes left in that game. I've never seen anything take that long. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We haven't. We, we love to complain about game length. We haven't done this enough. Uh, yeah, it was bad. I also I didn't realize this, and I you all may know they may have talked about this on the broadcast. But Eli Drinkwitz said after the game that replay wasn't working until the second half, and he so it could have been longer because uh, you know it it didn't go Mizzou's way. I was I, I looking back that was a huge help because they ended up reviewing like five or six different plays. I feel <laughs> like in the second half. It just kind of goes to show, again, we don't need to replay everything. Give coaches challenges. If it's an important enough play, they'll challenge it. But, like, the spot on a random play or whatever, like, I don't know, there's too too much of that. And then also, you know, timeouts and, and all and, that stuff. Right, and, like, back-to-back-to-back timeouts with, like, a minute mm-hmm. and a half left in a 10-point game. And it, we're reviewing plays that just have no chance to impact the final outcome. Now, look, I understand they had a chance to impact the line, and that's very important to a lot of people, right? And that's probably why we do a lot of these things but also I've said over and over just quit stopping the clock after first downs like I don't mean to be look ultimately it's football and watching football is better than watching a lot of things but there is no reason that was what was a relatively normal game with no extremely crazy stoppages no huge injuries and wasn't really like super close in the last three minutes should last three hours and 53 minutes I mean that's yeah. a bad product. I talked to people who were in the stadium. My parents hadn't been to a game in person for a while, and they went, and they said, I didn't realize how long TV timeouts were when you're at the stadium. I mean, it's – and I understand TV timeouts aren't changing, right? Those are paid for. That's going to happen. But there are ways to speed up the game, and I really think college football needs to do it because if the NFL can get every game into three hours, the average college football game should not be almost four hours long. It's too much. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've been saying that for a long time. It's a, it's an issue. It's definitely like it's not and it's not unique to Mizzou or anything like that. But yeah, college football games last way too long. They're hurting themselves. I mean, yeah, four hours is, is too much. Yeah. Um, so okay, just around the country, I mean I I've had people that did watch the entire Georgia game say it's one of the best college defenses they've seen. Now, I'm not sure it's the best defense in the SEC this year, because that might be Alabama. Um, you know, but I think we're kind of back going, okay, well, there's a pretty good chance that Alabama and Georgia just are meeting in the SEC title game and they've already both locked up playoff spots at that point. Right, yeah. I I think there's an excellent chance that they're both undefeated going into that game, Um, which, I mean, you know, obviously you have to see what happens elsewhere, but I would be stunned if the loser were to get left out. Um, The only way it would is if you also have undefeated champs from, you know, the the other, the uh, Big Ten 
uh, ACC and Big Twelve or something like that because no one's and, coming, no one's coming down defeated out of the Pac twelve right. and just going to be relevant and, enough. So and already, I mean, the only team that the the two best teams in the ACC theoretically lost this weekend. So right, I and Miami lost. So are we saying Virginia Tech's running? That ain't happening. The ACC is not going to have an unbeaten team. Yeah, no, yeah, that's a great point. So yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, Georgia, especially looking yeah. at their schedule, they're I would be very surprised if they lose a game before then. And the, in that nope. case, you know, a loss to Alabama should not uh, knock them out of the running. And Alabama, like you know, the question was like, how are they going to replace all these millions of people they sent to the NFL? Oh, it turns with out it the other cool. five stars, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, well, like. Everybody should have learned that lesson last year when literally the Heisman Trophy winner had the year before been the number three receiver on the team. You know, right. so so it, it truly is the definition of reloading. Um, yeah, the ACC, I, I mean, look, I'm not going to bury Clemson. They can still make the playoff and all that because that's a quality loss to one of the two most talented teams in the country or three most talented in my opinion. Um, <laughs> the Big Ten, I just, Ohio State, may have an easier path than Georgia. I mean, I I don't know. Wisconsin, man, was not super impressed with Wisconsin. Penn State is a good team, but, like, Northwestern got run by Michigan State. I'm, I'm, Michigan is already disqualified because they're just not allowed to beat Ohio State. They changed college football bylaws 15 years ago. Um, so it, we know Ohio State's there. And then the Big 12 is the interesting one to me where – the two teams that everybody thinks are going to be there, look, I guess they're probably going to be there, but they both very easily could have lost this weekend to far worse teams. Yeah. Ohio State at least plays Oregon. You know, you get Oregon, Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan. Those are at least four, like, respectable teams. Ohio State will be favored by a touchdown plus in all of them. But, you know, you add those together, like, there's a chance they could lose one of them. Like, Georgia, I still think Georgia's path now is easier. Obviously, you know, beating Clemson is a huge feat. But there's no one left on their schedule um, that, that I look at and say, like, oh, yeah, that's even really probably going to be that close. I mean, Florida's probably the closest thing. Um, yeah, the, the Big 12 is interesting. I mean, but also... Like, I'm not going to, you know, like a win's a win. We talked about this with Mizzou at the end of the year. Like, style points don't matter if you end up, you know, winning enough but, games. But they and, do oh, matter at that point. In the At the end of the right. season, when you're talking about 12-1 and one versus 13-0, and 0, and you had to have a fourth down stop to beat Tulane, which only was playing at your place because of a hurricane, that's when that kind yeah. of stuff does matter. I guess. I just don't think anyone's going to look all the way back to week one when it comes yeah. to parsing who gets in the playoff. But yeah, I mean, like Iowa State does this every year. It's actually sure. a miracle for them. They won. Usually they lose that game. Right. So, you know, that's just like the Matt Campbell thing. Somehow he cannot figure out how to open the season. Um, the fact that they won probably means they'll be actually as good as advertised because usually they would have lost. Uh, yeah, right. They'll Oklahoma, probably beat though, Iowa yeah, by I five touchdowns this weekend. What's that? They'll probably beat Iowa by five touchdowns this weekend. Yeah, that's actually a low-key really good game because yeah. Iowa apparently is, is good too. Um, Worst yeah, rivalry in the country. There's definitely questions. I mean, but the defense giving up, a, what was it, 35 points to yeah. Tulane, that, that can happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was very nice of them to paint their logo on the field, though. They were, they were hmm. frankly, they were a little too hospitable on Saturday. Yeah, too, clearly, too, clearly, too, too yeah. So we'll finish up with a couple of your questions. Ed says, with the Big Ten starting conference games, would you like the SEC to do that? And if so, who does Mizzou start with? They have done that in the past. I know, like, South Carolina Vandy and, 
yes, I know it's not exactly the world's largest outdoor cocktail party or the Iron Bowl, but South Carolina Vandy one year played on like August 27th. Um, so they have one of the things I really like about the SEC over the Big 12 was that the Big 12 used to just be formulaic four non-conference games, then the conference games. And I like that the SEC gives you, I mean, we are on September 11th going to have maybe Missouri's most important conference game of the season. I bet coaches hate it, but from an interest standpoint, I really like it because I remember when I covered Missouri in the Big 12, I'm like, but like September is stupid and I'm just kind of wasting my time watching all these directional schools. Yeah, no, definitely coaches don't love it. But yeah, that's why the Big Ten did it, is to draw eyeballs. I mean, you know, you've got a weekend where there's not that many marquee games, and it's getting better, you know, week one. But you get, you get, you know, ranked matchups between ranked teams. I mean, they had, what, two of those on Saturday with uh, Indiana, Iowa, and Penn State, Wisconsin. And then, of course, the, you know, you put Ohio State in prime time. Those, I'm sure those three games all drew really well. Yeah, um, yeah and the SEC does similar things. And, you know, it, it didn't have any conference matchups in week one, but it did have some teams, you know, go play really, really nice. Uh, non-con games you know with Alabama and LSU and uh, Georgia so yeah and then getting into conference play week two so yeah I think uh, I think I, I actually really appreciate that that college football has done a better job over the past few years of not making the whole first month of the season boring yeah totally agree Luke wants to know if Mizzou wins one big game who's it against Georgia Florida or A&M I'm just gonna say right now it's not Georgia like I mean <laughs> uh, it's yeah. not Georgia guys that is the only difference between Georgia and Alabama is that Georgia hasn't won that game, but they are every yeah. bit as talented as Alabama. Yeah, I mean, if I have to pick one of the three, it's Florida, right? I mean, like we were just saying earlier, you've got a lot of questions, replacing a lot of stars. They come to Missouri, and it's going to be cold. Like, you know, there's a chance. Yeah, yeah, that's the most likely of those three. And, and look, I saved this one for last because this is my favorite thing in college football this week. Todd Julian asked, when can we just say that LSU isn't any good when they lose to Central Michigan? Look, I'm not sure that's out of the question, but did you see UCLA's Twitter um, account today? No, I didn't. Okay, so you saw the Ed Orgeron video about the sissy blue shirt. So yep, yep. for those who didn't see it, there was a UCLA fan off camera yelling at Coach O, and he looks up and says, why don't you bring your sissy blue shirt down here? Or something along those lines. Uh, UCLA now, their Twitter header pick is like a, a Jordan brand or Nike, whatever their brand is, and it just says sissy blue across it. It's amazing. It's my favorite thing yeah. that's happened today. Yeah, that man thinks they've really gone south in a hurry down there at LSU. I mean, and, and oh, that's yeah. yeah for for Coach O to say that and then follow it up with that performance. Yeah, things are things are not going well for him. I think right. he. I, th I mean, like, I, I I struggled to kind of believe it. The uh, the Gene Chizik thing. I knew I knew I didn't really ever think he was going to get back to being you know the the, co the toast of college football, the coach of the year, the national title winning right. coach, really like anytime soon or ever after the, a couple of years ago. But I did not think it would go this south this fast. Yeah, and. Look, if we're going to be outraged about something, and I'm not saying I'm outraged about Ed Orgeron saying sissy blue, but it's far more deserving of outrage than being mad at Brian Kelly for just having terrible delivery and not being able to make a joke. Like, right. no one yeah. really thinks he wants to murder his football team, right? <laughs> Can we safely say that? I, I think, yeah. I mean, okay. that, that would seem to be a, a very uh, important prerequisite of right. being a college I mean, football coach. I try to follow whatever the societal rules are these days, and I understand the need to be politically correct. But, like, if you're mad about what Brian Kelly said, you're just looking for a reason to be mad at this point. Which, I again, every now and then that does happen on the Internet. People find reasons.
Yeah, yeah, that's not like we ever see that on the message board. Right. So, um, look, we're not going to get too far into Mizzou, Kentucky. We've got media stuff the next couple days. We'll talk Mizzou, Kentucky on the 573 report on uh, Wednesday, and we'll preview it on our preview show on Thursday. Um, We don't really yet know if we're going to go to that game or not. I mean, the SEC has weird rules, and I don't know. It could be a game-time decision whether you're there or whether you're at home watching with me not with me not in my house but <laughs> yeah uh probably by wednesday I'll, I'll be able to to let people know but yeah that is very much up in the air yeah so uh it's what 6 30 i think yeah so 7 30 eastern time in lexington in lexington okay well there's there's incentive to stay home it's an hour you'd be done writing an hour earlier if you stay home so i mean not actually but yes according to the clock <laughs> exactly all right so uh guys appreciate you uh, okay w- jared got one more question in before uh before we go so uh preseason polls don't mean anything north carolina shouldn't have been number 10 i mean that was pretty easy to see right i'm not sure yeah i mean also not, again yeah. sissy blue not top 10 other sissy blue top 10 so yeah i uh i'm not going to pretend to be an expert on the north carolina program but i mean it is a pretty much a, a a law at this point that mac brown teams always start the season overrated like every year so that doesn't stun me but also like and and i i doubt they're actually a top 10 team but that kind of reinforced to me too it's just like well yeah i mean like there's one of the teams people are picking as like a potential sleeper playoff contender oh they're not actually very good iowa right. state the number six team in the country, well, they can barely beat an FCS team. So it's back to having, like, two really good teams, <laughs> right. two pretty good teams, and, like, everyone else. Right. You know you know why the top five teams in the country every August are in some order? Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and uh, Clemson? Because, like, they're just the five best teams, and it's not very hard to see. You can try to get creative and put somebody else in there. Um, but then you're going to end up picking Mac Brown to win in Lane Stadium and then have a shot of him on the sideline looking like a really sad 78-year-old woman. So I feel, That seems like a good way to end our show. Yeah, I feel like that's that's it, man. There's there's nowhere else to go from here. So uh, thanks to uh, – I, I told you that True Sun Exteriors and Interiors wouldn't be the old only one to insult a college football coach on this show this year. But uh, uh, True Sun Exteriors and Interiors, again, the best of Columbia for home remodeling by Inside Columbia Magazine this year. Full-service construction company. They'll do anything you want, guys. Seriously, roof, siding doors, windows, uh, interior, whole home remodels, anything you need them for you can get a hold of them truesunexterior.com or 573-442-7292 give them a call they're our presenting sponsor for this show all week long tomorrow morning sean williams and i will be back on uh the uh tuesday tiger recruiting show and we're live here with you every day this week through uh i don't know very late on saturday night after mizzou kentucky so thanks for watching we'll catch up with you later